This is I Pierce the Toast. I'm Sean. And I'm AJ. Let's make some toast. Welcome back to I Pierce the Toast. Uh, we are excited. This is going to be our inaugural discussion episode. Uh, AJ, do we have a name for this yet? I don't think we do. I mean, let's see. We, we can't really call it burnt toast. We can't really call it a whole loaf of toast. How about buttered toast? Buttered toast or cinnamon toast? Ooh, cinnamon. Well, a cinnamon toast makes me think cinnamon toast crunch. It also makes me think of powder. And powdered toast makes me think of powdered toast man from Ren and Stimpy. What about avocado toast? Av- av- avocado? Yeah, avocado. Av- fresh avocado. Fresh, fresh avocado? Yeah, fresh avocado. Fresh avocado. On your toast. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but this is going to be one of our discussion episodes. Uh, our topic today are remakes and reboots. Yeah. And our thought processes on that. So... AJ, I think the first thing we have to do before we can really jump into this topic yeah. is defining what those terms mean. Okay. Now, I'm the first, and the first thing I want to do is I want to get your thoughts on this description because I wanted to get a very academic answer about yeah. uh, the differences between these two, and unfortunately, I got more than I bargained for. So, <laughs> okay, we talked about wanting to talk about reboots and remakes. So what I got was actually four, and I'm not going to say distinct categories, because these categories consistently can crisscross, and you can literally make arguments for where certain movies or franchises would fall, and they could theoretically or technically fall mm-hmm. into multiple of these categories. But I think these four categories at least help us encapsulate the spectrum of films that you and I are thinking of when we think of reboots and remakes. So I mean, right off the bat, we would have to go with just what does, what does reboot mean? So for reboot, we're talking about resets the continuity of an established film series. Yes. And one of the examples that was used here, um, and probably the easiest one to follow, would be the Spider-Man series. Yeah. Because we're not just redoing Spider-Man with the subsequent quote-unquote reboots of the series. So when we talk about the the Tobey Maguire and then the um, Andrew Garfield and then most recently the uh, Tom Holland, the Tom Holland, each of them they're not they're not carbon copies. This this is a reboot because we're gonna we're gonna reset continuity. We're gonna go a different direction, but it's generally the same character and same kind of understood plot points, yeah. but not a not a not a shot for shot remake by any stretch of the imagination. The remake is a closely recreated one particular film. And the examples here that were like used... the Disney movies. Ah, see, that's what I thought too. That was my first thought, was the, the live-action remakes, right? But those fall into a separate category. We're going to get to that. Okay. So the example that was given here was Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. So we have the original from 2009 uh, that was the Swedish version of the film. And then... They basically just redid the film for American audiences with Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig in 2011. For the most part, it was the exact same thing. They may have taken some creative slight differences, but for the most part, it was a shot-for-shot remake of 
the original film. Okay. There was there was nothing really majorly different in it. Now, this is where we're going to get into two separate categories that I think you're going to find interesting. And I hope you'll agree, uh, as I did when I was reading this, that it's probably uh, important that we have these distinctions because I think some of these could fall into reboot or remake okay. and could be argued for that. But they're distinct enough that it's a good idea that we kind of give them their own separate category. And the first one, speaking of those Disney films, were called reimagines. I was thinking of that, a reimagining. And and that's where the Disney live action recreations come into play because it is the same film, but obviously there this isn't like, you know, the mm. girl with the dragon tattoo where it's, you know, live action, it's based on the book, there's a very specific plot line and we're just going to do it again with different actors. There's a major difference here and that major difference is it's no longer animated. We're going to do it live action. Mm. So that, that changes the scope almost completely of... You're changing the format completely, right. so yeah. Another example, which I thought was pretty good, is uh, also shifts in character focus. And this this is not something I would have thought of. So think Cruella or Maleficent. Ah, uh, yeah, you shift the narrative to the villain versus exactly. shift, like, the, the hero. So instead of focusing on exactly on the same character and kind of telling a story again they're going a completely different direction now to me that wouldn't have fallen into remake or reboot and land at all but it is a reimagining mm-hmm. because it is the cinderella story it is the Dalma- 101 dalmatian story we're just looking at it from a different viewpoint so i thought uh. that was interesting we threw that in and then of course another example which i thought was really helpful was a recent ghostbusters film from i want to say it was like 2015. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. You want to say the one with the female Ghostbusters? With female cast. Yeah. Because. Which was not good. It wasn't. It wasn't a great film. Uh, it definitely had some moments. But it, again, not a. And we can't really call that a remake. Even if even if there was male. Even if it was a male cast. Because it was a different plot line. Kind of, you know, mm-hmm. slightly different. But I do believe the character names were the same, right? It was Spangler. I think they were different. Were they different? Yeah, I, I, I can't remember exactly. But. We still call that reimagining. Then the final one, and I think you and I are going to th- think that this is where a lot of what we consider to be the quote-unquote reboots yeah. or, or even remakes are delayed sequels and prequels. So uh, most no, of you- I'm, not, I'm thinking more along the lines of actual reboots and remakes because when you're talking about delayed sequel – in the same universe would be like the Star Wars movies. That's exactly the example I was yeah. going to use. Because so, you're not really rebooting anything. Exactly. You're not making. You're just adding to the we're story. We're just adding to the story. Indiana Jones. But you could also kind of say it's, you know, we're rebooting the series. Not yeah. in this context, obviously. This is not the context. You could say it helped. I guess maybe even reboot is the wrong word. Reinvigorated. Re, re-brought up, if yeah. we want to call. I mean, we, you're rebooting interest in the film if you're doing that. But sure. you're not really... You're not really rebooting the whole series right you're not you're you're just bringing up a new set of films that continue the same story yeah but it isn't it isn't its own separate story so uh another example of that might be uh what we talked about in a, an episode we did a while back for a movie called spun yeah. where we uh discussed that indiana jones was coming out mm. uh, they, they were they had announced a fourth indiana jones movie obviously it's been a while and even when we had crystal skull it had been a while but same character, same actor, 
same storyline, we're just continuing it on. Mm-hmm. That's a delayed sequel. And th- those kind of pro- um, those kind of movies, I really don't have that many problems with. A delayed sequel, at least to me, in some instances, because you could even you could even state that some TV shows would be delayed sequels as well. Those are just continuing the same story. I like that. I'm okay with that. I do think when it comes to remakes, reboots, and reimaginings, the market is way too saturated. And so I asked the question to myself because I agree with you. I think that we are so saturated with reboots, remakes, reimaginings, and honestly, delayed sequels too. You know, the whole gambit, and you know, we could use an overarching term for this of of uh, re-ups, mm-hmm. we could say, you know, re-ups, because basically what we're trying to do is bring back something again in every instance of this, whether it's redoing the same movie, uh, reimagining the movie, um, doing the movie again, but with slightly different, you know, context, or bringing um, a new chapter of the movie it is a it is just kind of a re-up and they can all kind of fall under this general category so i asked the question and i want to see what your thoughts are uh because i got kind of a academic answer on it and it makes sense i I think you'll you'll appreciate the answer even if it's not a good answer per se i think you'll find the answer to be explanatory Mm. why do we have so many right now Honestly, I think it goes back to, if you think about music theory, in music, there's only so many notes that can make up a song, right? So I think it's a B, C, and E, or B, C, and G. There's three notes. So almost all pop songs, almost all rock songs right now are built on the same three basic chords. Right, and there's that great, uh, I think, song and video that... um... Uh, I can't remember the name of the band, but they... I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, with the, the, the Jordan, I can't remember her name. But uh, yeah, they did the, the four-note song where they went through all the many songs that had the exact same four yeah. notes and basically played on a whole thing. It was really great. And I think that's kind of the thing right now. There's so many audiences that are looking for the same thing. When you challenge the audience, you run the risk of upsetting them. And they go by the same formats that have worked time and time again. Uh, Marvel movies. We all want to see the same Marvel movie. Even though we say we don't, we want to see the same Marvel movie. We want to see a character either come into his superpowers or start the movie with superpowers and then grow a little bit, have some conflict, overcome that conflict, and then the end succeed. We want to see that. Even though we say that we don't, there's some movies where that doesn't necessarily work, but then whenever those movies are made, they don't always do so well. Think about Thor. Thor Dark World, that movie did not do very well because it didn't follow the same basic premise. They kind of changed things up. Yes, there was some conflict, but yeah, there was a lot more going on in the background. It was too complex for what you were trying to do. So I think it's honestly, I think there's not enough you can do with the story to change it without upsetting your audiences. So you have to follow the same formula, just like you would with the, the, the songs. You have to follow these same ones. That's how a successful song is built. You have to follow the same formula for a movie. That's how a successful movie is built. Look at what DC's doing. They're trying to do exactly what Marvel did. They're trying to build their universe up in the same way that Marvel did. They're trying to make it more comedic, more lighthearted, more funny, things like that. And you're you're pretty much hitting the nail on the head here, 
on the why. Well, you're you're giving a good explanation of the why, and then there's a I guess we could call it the root cause. Yeah. So very much to what you you played to, because my thought process was before I looked up the answer, I thought, are we are we capitalizing on nostalgia? Is that what we're doing? Uh, is this laziness in storytelling? Mm-hmm. Is it kind of what you alluded to? Are they running out of ideas, or is it a formulaic easy bet? Or you know, category number five. Uh, before I go on, uh, that band name was Axis of Awesome. Oh uh, yeah, Axis of Awesome. Yes, a really great band. They do they do some really fun like parody songs, and one of the things they do is they do this really great four chord song where they literally go through the this incredible catalog of songs using the same four chords and showing you how they're all exactly the same, and it's a lot of fun. It's a really great uh, watch if you get a chance. So when I look up the answer to this, it's it's pretty much exactly what you said. Audiences want a certain thing, mm-hmm. and the studios want to give the audiences what they want. Now, here's the root cause, the the why to the why, if you will. Okay, because what you what you what you did what you said was almost hitting the nail exactly on the head. This is what the audiences want. Give them what they want. The question is, why are so many filmmakers right now so willing to just say? Let's just do the ones we know. Let's do the the ones we you know that we know we can make money. And it comes down to, and uh, this is what um, uh, certain uh, academics have argued about all the reboots and remakes we've mm-hmm. seen in the last ten years. You go back to two thousand eight, and we have an economic crash, and we've we we recovered, but we didn't fully recover. Yeah. All right, and things definitely got worse. We got you know we've got COVID in twenty twenty. Uh, we're in the middle of a recession now. So just like any business, all right. You don't take risks during a recession. That's not the time to say, you know what? Let's push the envelope and see what we can do here. This is the time to say, stick with the easy money. Marvel movies make money. DC movies make money. Uh, classic Disney films make money. Yeah. So if you can take those same concepts and give them right back to the people knowing full well that you already have an established audience, you have an established interest, you have uh, a known pattern that people are willing to pay money to see these exact types of films. You can pump out a bunch of those and keep the dollars moving. The issue that I think you run into when you do that is kind of what is happening with the Marvel Universe right now. People are they're, they're getting fatigued by it. There's, That's a great word a, for that. Yeah, yeah, there's there's so many Marvel movies, and because they all have the same formula, you know what you're going to see. Wakanda Forever. That was one where they changed the formula a little bit, but at the end of the day, it was still the same formula. Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie, but to me, it's like, it's, it's, another, it's another Marvel movie. So now I'm going to throw in a wrench and, and send us kind of reeling a little bit because this seems so unique to us right yeah. now. But this is from a Cosmo article where they were interviewing Dr. Matthew Jones, a film studies lecturer at the De Montfort University in Lick... Leicester, Leicester, Leicester. I think it's pronounced Worcestershire. <laughs> <laughs> so he, first off, I, I do want to note uh, his name is Doctor Doctor Matthew Jones, Doctor Jones, <laughs> and the fact that he's speaking on reboots and remakes seems a little hypocritical to me. It's like, well, aren't you yourself a reboot yeah. of Indiana Jones? I'm just saying, <laughs> there, Doctor Jones, if Dick. that is your real name. 
But he had something very interesting to point out to the people like us that feel like this is some unique thing that we're dealing with right now with being saturated with these reboots mm -hmm. and remakes. He said, remake and reboot culture is not new. It's often framed as something novel and unique to our postmodern times, but there is actually a rich tradition of remakes in Western film culture that runs back to the earliest days of cinema, arguably as far back as 1896. The interesting thing about remake, remakes isn't that they exist or are significant in number, but rather that they are more of them in a certain moments in history, and we're certainly in one of those moments now. So what Dr. Jones is arguing is that this is a cyclic thing that we see, and I think that pairs well with this uh, this idea that, I, I, don't, I can't remember if it was this article or a different one was pointing out, I think it pairs well with that idea that there are economic factors driving why mm. we're seeing reboots and remakes now. And I might argue that, uh, you know, the remakes of a lot of the Western films, those might have been patriotic reasons of, you know, that we're fighting the Soviets yeah. and we're, we're kind of trying to reinvigorate. I mean, I, and that's complete and utter speculation. I have no idea. I didn't research that. But what he's he's not suggesting that each and every single one is economic the current one is being argued that it's economic mm. there's a reason why it's easier to make money off films that where you know you have an established audience and an established uh interest in the that particular type of film but he is arguing that this isn't anything new that we've dealt with this in the past and that we're likely going to continue to deal with it as we move forward in in cinema filmmaking art um but that there you know, there are factors that we can look at that tell us the reasons why we're seeing, you know, the the, the producers and the powers that be that are the ones that are bringing us these, uh, these you know, these cinematic adventures really just refeeding us the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. Thinking back, when it comes down to, like, intellectual properties that are free market, all of Arthur Conan Doyle stuff, anything that has to do with Sherlock Holmes is free market. There's the, No one can own that anymore. We're going to continue to see those all the time. Robin, Robin Hood, that's another one. You're going to continuously see that. And don't get me wrong. I understand that you have to freshen it up a little bit. But when the market is so saturated, it gets confusing. If I asked you, did you go see Robin Hood the other day? What would you say? So, and I assume the question here is kind of diving into which Robin Hood could we possibly be yeah. talking about? Because we could be talking about Prince of Thieves mm -hmm. uh, with Kevin Costner. We could be talking about Men in Tights with Carrie Elways. We could be talking about uh, the recent one. What's the the young man's name who's in? Um, uh, uh, Taron uh, Edgerton? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was in um, Kingsman. Yeah, he was uh, also in uh, the Elton John movie. Oh, right, yes. Uh, yeah. he, he was in the Elton, uh, the Elton John. Uh, Rocketman. Uh, well, was it Biopic? Um, so we have right off the bat, those are the first three I can think of off the top of my head. And I'm not even hitting all of them because oh, yeah. God knows there's, there's plenty more. Yeah. There's TV shows galore. There's all, there's, all there's even the cartoon, yeah. you know, uh, where it's uh, a Fox. Robin Hood and yeah. Little John. The phone wrist. That's going to be my head for the rest of the fucking day. <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree. And I guess, so that's the first thing I would ask is when we're talking about using Robin Hood, that's a great example. So each of these films would you consider them reboots, remakes, reimagines? And I think we can almost immediately remove um, uh, delayed uh, sequel, yeah. prequel. 
this would have to be reimagining because it's all the same characters, but we're putting them in different scenarios every single time. I would agree because, you know, we have Robin Hood, the cartoon, totally reimagined uh, Robin Hood with uh, the Taron Egerton example. Um, we're completely reimagining him, uh, you know, totally different than what we've seen Robin Hood done in the past uh, when with Carrie Elway's. Instead of Robin Hood being this very serious, you know, uh, defender of the people, we're going to make him a Mel Brooks uh, hilarity. So all of those yeah. to me reimagining, and and that's where I find hardship with this idea of the reboot versus the the reimagined or the remake is it's almost like with the reboot, it couldn't possibly be anything other than a series of films. Yeah, which I had a hard time grasping with because to me it's like, well. Is is are are we taking reimagining so far out or or remakes so mm-hmm. far out that the only time we can have a reboot is you know like the example I used of uh, Spider Man where there's a series of films that have a different continuity yeah um and that that I'm struggling I'm struggling a bit with that so this these these categories are still hard for me to, to I, I totally nail down yeah yeah I mean when it comes down to like reboots specifically. We're going to see them more in the Marvel Universe and the DC Universe, mostly when it comes down to superheroes. Because what happens is when they find out that a certain story arc for one superhero doesn't work, well, people still want to see that superhero. So what are they going to do? Change the characters, reboot the entire thing. So here's a good question, too. And now I have, I didn't look this up at all, and this is where I want us to just put on our, you know, film and, and honestly, comic book hats, uh, because... I think both of us, I didn't really read comics per se as a mm-hmm. kid, but I definitely uh, watched uh, X-Men, the cartoon, um, was, you know, happy to consume any media like uh, Superman with Christopher Reeves. So uh, looking at the example you just used of um, Marvel movies being consistently rebooted, why do you think that we just keep going back and rebooting instead of continuing on those storylines? I think the reason that we do that is because... They concede the success that a really good superhero can do. So think about Spider-Man. The original Spider-Man had so much success. It continued down. They made millions of dollars. Second uh, Spider-Man made millions of dollars. Third made million dollars. Think about Hellboy. The original Hellboy, there were two of them um, with Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, yeah. Did okay. Didn't Didn't do the best, but they, they did okay. They have a cult following. I love them. I think they're great. Great films, yeah. They thought that they could do it better. So what did they do? They made a new one. And what would you... So, okay, that's a good one while we're here. Uh, what would you call that one that they did? Would you call that attempted a reboot? Or do we call that a remake? Because I guess it wasn't really the same plot line, was no, it? No, and it's not really necessarily reimagining. It because really it's isn't. the same so, format. Definitely a reboot. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a reboot. Even though we're, we didn't see a sequel for that one, I, I think that's a great example. Thank you. I'm glad you brought this one up because obviously I was struggling with this idea of it ever being anything other than a series of films. That's a good way to look of one that was clearly just the reboot, but we just never got another film because it it did it didn't do good critically. Yeah. So that's a that's a good that's a good example of one where we didn't see a follow on. Same thing happened to Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four had what two three movies two movies I think. Uh, the ones with uh Jessica Alba. Yeah. Right. Um, they had a series of movies, and then it started. This was before the new Marvel Cinematic Universe, where things were a little bit dicey with superhero films. That's where we had like films like Daredevil. Um, this was around the time that the original Spider-Man had came out, and people were trying to capitalize on it, but they didn't have a 
quote-unquote universe to build on. They were trying to make single movies that never intertwined. And I think that's where Disney really shines. They figured out, hey, I have these movies. This Spider-Man movie. Well, I guess they didn't have Spider-Man, but they had um, Iron Man. They realized, why does it just have to be Iron Man? People that love Iron Man are going to go see Iron Man, but what if these people love this character over here called Black Widow? What if they love this character, Thor? They realized very, very quickly, if we tie a universe together with all these characters, the people that love these characters will see these. The people that love this will see this. I'm glad you bring this up, and this is, this is what I was going to suggest. We keep kind of rebooting the series. You know, Spider-Man, we go back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, Hellboy, we went back to the beginning. You know, uh, obviously we, talk, we, we, mm -hmm. we, play, we talked a little bit to Origins in the, the reboot of Hellboy. Um, and we do that a lot whenever we're going back and rebooting a series. Marvel, to me, did something with, you know, the, the long-running, what, what do they call the, uh, the, this one, uh, MCU... Uh, don't they have like names for those they have phases? It's like phase. Thank yeah, you. That, this is what, what was the big phase here where we ended with uh, Endgame? Uh, I think it was Phase Three. So we have this this build up to this Endgame, right? To me, that in itself was actually a risk. Are we continuing with you know what what we kind of said? And I wouldn't even call these delayed sequels because they really were yeah. just kind of released one after another. There was a there was a very obvious plan here, but to me, it was a risk because prior to this. There was no one ambitious enough or good enough at storytelling from a cinematic perspective to be able to say, I'm going to tie all this together and tell people the plot line that requires literally, what, 20 some odd films yeah. to take. That is an ambitious project. So... I don't know about you, but when I watch these Marvel films, uh, the ones that went up to uh, the phase that ends with Endgame, the thing that impressed me so much was the ability for someone like me who didn't read the comic books, mm. who's not that far into it, loves hearing about these characters, but isn't engrossed enough to know all the little nuances. Because when I talk to people yeah. who do know the comic books, they're seeing things that I didn't know anything about within these films and seeing these like connections that I had no idea were coming. Um, the, the, uh, the stones for... Um, infinity stones. for the infinity stones yeah. you know they were laying the groundwork for that super early on mm -hmm. i had no idea but there was a they were letting us know that it was coming and all the comic book fans were like hey we see what they're doing here and i didn't see that but even not having that background each one of these films stands up in its own right yeah. each one of these films is still an enjoyable movie going experience for someone who doesn't know anything about the previous films before or has any intent to see the previous films after you can literally watch any of these films just as is, without any previous context, knowing nothing about the characters, and you'll get enough of what you need characterization-wise to be able to enjoy that film. That is impressive in, it, in itself. Yeah. Then to be able to tie that in with an overarching cinematic universe that took what? Uh, how long did it take us to do this? Uh, uh, 15 oh, years? Shit, yeah, it's been years. 15 years or more. I, I can't even remember. But it took us a very long time, over a decade, to draw out this long storyline finally culminating in Endgame where, you know, we basically kill off this character Iron Man 
spoilers for anybody yeah, spoilers in case you don't if you, have, know. if you haven't seen it yet yeah if you haven't seen iron man you know snapping everybody back into existence and ending uh uh oh god the, what is know. his name the purple thanos. dude thanos thank you <laughs> the purple dude, <laughs> purple dude. Uh, if you haven't seen that then you know yes that's yeah. how this whole thing kind of comes culminates being able to do that was a super ambitious project I don't think anybody, I don't think any of the studios would want to do that right now. Because like you said, we're seeing so many reboots, remakes, just trying to keep capitalizing mm-hmm. off the same thing. DC's doing it right now. They are. They they rebooted Batman again. They, um... That Batman is not the Batman that's going to be in that universe, though. Oh, you mean for the next uh, film? Yeah. You're right. It's going to be Michael so, Keaton's so Batman. What, what's happening right now with DC is, like I said earlier, they're trying to capitalize on what Marvel did. It's very, very ambitious to do what Marvel did, and they got lucky in the fact that they were the first ones to do it, so they set the fucking gold standard. Here's the problem, though. If you have one movie in your universe that you're trying to build that does wrong, like it does really bad, it messes everything up. And that's exactly what happened to the DC universe. And this is exactly what I'm saying. Before all of this idea of like the DC obviously trying to do what Marvel did, but Marvel even undertaking this incredibly ambitious project, mm-hmm. we never had this. This wasn't something you could do. You were able to take a character only so far before the plot lines were going to get too complicated for a normal film-going audience to be able to consume. You were not going to be able to sell... like What they did with the Marvel Universe was an absolutely phenomenal success. Yeah. But in most cases, when they were just taking, say, you know, using your example, the Fantastic Four, if you had taken that plot line any further beyond the episodic of, of what we saw for the first mm-hmm. couple, like two, three films, whatever it was, the further you take that, the more complicated these plot lines get. And you have to start introducing all these other characters and you have to have background on those characters, which is why we had to have so many of these separate movies of introducing Captain America in his own right, introducing Iron Man in his own right, introducing Spider-Man in his own right, introducing the Hulk in his own right. They all had to have their own little films and then we can bring them together. You wouldn't have been able to do that without that massive undertaking. So you start taking the Fantastic Four down these lines where you're introducing these characters. We have no idea what their backstory is, why they're here, where they came from. The Silver Surfer, for God's sakes. Yeah. They, he really needed his own movie first, and then you bring him into the, the, the quote-unquote universe. But they didn't do that. They just try to throw him into this existing universe and keep this one steady string of plot line, not realizing... It has to branch. It has to branch and then come back in together. So that's why I also think that those are undertakings that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of filmmakers were not ready to do until the Marvel Cinematic Universe decided, let's try this. Let's see if we can make this work. Well, I think the biggest thing right now to me when it comes to just detract or just um, going away from Marvel and DC, because they're the easiest ones to talk about because they're the ones that have done it multiple different times. And they're kind of in the forefront of our minds. Absolutely. And and basically what's happened is they've succeeded or failed multiple different times. We can see it. DC tends to fail more than Marvel does. When we're talking about the different types of movies that are constantly being rebooted um, or reimagined like the Disney movies, that's frustrating because people are going to nitpick so much about the reimaginings or they're going to change so much that it's not the same thing. I, for one, think the Aladdin movie was awful. The newer Aladdin movie with uh, Will Smith, I thought it was awful. My only problem with the newer Aladdin movie, and uh, 
AJ, you know my feelings about yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. about Aladdin as far as Disney goes. Disney princess. He's yeah. the Disney princess. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem I had with the Aladdin film. They, they you know, in their reimagining, they're they're trying to put more focus on Jasmine as the quote unquote Disney princess. My argument is, Jasmine is a princess in the Disney universe, mm-hmm. but in the context of that film, she is not the Disney princess. Aladdin is. He's the Disney yeah. princess. He's the rag to riches, comes to find a, a an amazing power that he has through the genie, develops that relationship. He's he's kind of the Disney princess of the story. He's the one that we're we're rooting for to achieve his goals in the face of, of, of great um uh you know the diamond in the rough. <laughs> the, yes, the diamond in the rough. Uh now of course Jasmine has her own set of yeah. issues that she's dealing with. Uh she's struggling with agency She's she's desperate to be able to make her own choices and her own decisions in the face of a culture that tells her that her her job is simply to be married off to a suitor of her father's choosing. But that that part of that reimagining, I was you know I I really I didn't understand this need to put more of the auspice onto mm. Jasmine because Jasmine is in, it, she is a secondary character in the story. This is not Cinderella where Cinderella is should be the main focus or Snow White where Snow White should be the main focus or uh Little Mermaid where Ariel should be the main focus. The main focus is Aladdin. The damn yeah. movie is called Aladdin. He is our quote unquote Disney princess. He's our focus. We we don't need to give more song and dance numbers to anyone else in the film. We need to be focused on Aladdin. And I think the other thing that uh you would probably agree with is our, and I, I feel like Rob, you know, I, I don't want to say that Will Smith did a bad job and I don't want to say that, you know, it's just difficult to re to imagine anybody other than Robin Williams being the genie. But despite the fact that Robin Williams was such a bigger than life character in the original cartoon version of Aladdin, he was still able to be a secondary character. Yeah. And I think that's something just Robin Williams was very good at. I don't feel like Aladdin or Jasmine, despite the attempts to make Jasmine more of a prominent character in this, were the main characters. Will Smith was the character. Well, he was the one that started the movie and the end of the movie. It, it, right. So we put we pulled all the focus away from Aladdin and said, well, let's focus on, let's focus almost solely on Will Smith as the our quote unquote main character, as mm-hmm. if the movie was called The Genie, and also let's let's give Jasmine more numbers, and let's forget about. You know the the diamond in the rough, the 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 street rat, the riff raff. Yeah, I don't buy that. <laughs> well, one thing I definitely do want to bring up: while I do think that the market is saturated with reboots, reups, reimaginings, what have you, there are some times where it's needed. But because it's so saturated, you don't know when it's needed. Dune, perfect example. Dune's cinematic universe in the new one has crafted it so well. That it's going to set it. I mean, at least this is just me speaking personally. I know some people have their own thoughts about it, but when it comes down to the previous iterations of Dune, the reason they didn't do so well—I mean, cr- critically and commercially—is because they tried to get too much in at one time. This Dune realized I need to break this up. I need to make this larger, but I also need to condense what I can, and it's going to be like I think it's three parts or something like that. It's funny you say that. I actually watched a, a, a documentary many years ago at uh, the True False Film Festival. And I th- I'm going to butcher the hell of his name. I think it's Jarawaski's Dune. It was never a film that was made, mm. but a lot of what we saw in that 1970s Dune, yeah, the, the so. one that's kind of iconic prior to the one that was made recently, a lot of what we saw came from his conceptualization of Dune 
but he fell into the same problem that you're literally talking about right now with Dune. He was trying so hard to include everything that is Dune in his film. He had um, uh, Salvador Dali signed yeah. on. He had, uh, I, th- I want to say it was uh, either one of the members of Kiss or some very famous rock band of the 1970s. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly who it was. But he had one of them signed on. He he had some big names signed on to do this. And he had this big elaborate plan. And he was going to be spending ungodly amounts of money. And the studio eventually just said, this isn't going to work. This isn't yeah. going to happen. So that never got made. But a, a lot of that conceptual art that they created, um, it went on to not only inspire Dune, but also films like Alien. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, that's that's a really great example of what you're talking about there. This idea of... You you know it's great to have ambition, but your ambition has to be realistic. And in order to be able to provide this to audiences, sometimes you might have to do what Dune did or what hell Marvel did. You're gonna have to break it up a bit and and kind of feed it to us, feed it to your audience piecemeal, so yeah. they can consume this better and, and be able to walk away with almost, if you want to call it in this in a weird way, the preparation to move on to the next chapter of the story you're trying to tell. You can't give everyone a fucking Dances with Wolves and expect them to sit through the entire thing. <laughs> are, are we mad at Are we mad at Kevin Costner? That movie's three hours and something long. <laughs> have you yeah. ever sat through it before? I have never. Yeah, I've, I've sat through Dances with Wolves. I'll tell you right now, I've never sat through Lawrence of Arabia. I'll say that. <laughs> I think, what is that, like six, four, four hours, five hours, something crazy? See, there's a point, though, where they tried to fit too much in the movie, and it's not going to work. The new Batman, another reboot that, I'm sorry, I, 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 I'm I, going to be on, I, I think I'm standing alone in a lot of this. I didn't think it was that good after watching it again. There's too fucking much in that movie. There is a lot going on. The only uh, you like it because it's a noir film. That's exactly why I like it. I'll admit it. I, you know, we we did the episode on Brick. Uh, I I love I love a good classic detective film, um, and that's exactly what the new Batman was, and that's why I think maybe that Batman calling that a re are, are we doing another one of those? Do yeah, they're doing a sequel to that. They are doing a sequel. Okay, so then it does fall into the realm of reboot. At least the, the last I had heard, they were doing a sequel. But again, this is where the lines start to cross, and I think Bat I think this Batman is a great example of that. I could argue that it's more of a reimagine than a reboot because yes, we are telling the Batman story again. Mm-hmm. We're 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 going to recontextualize. You can't but make it a reimagining if it's in the same format. It is in this, but it's not the same format. It is because in because a lot of the old Batmans, even even Michael Keaton, we abandoned the idea of the dark de- the Dark Knight detective. You know, uh, we we got away from that, mm-hmm. and it's just he's just an action hero that goes around and beats up the bad guys. We didn't care about the detective portion of it. This actually takes Batman way back to its roots of Batman is a detective. Yes, he's got cool gadgets and he's a fighter and, you know, he's he's struggling with his internal demons and all that great stuff that goes into Batman. But in this new one, we decided to get back to that root and say he's going to be a detective again. And that's why I think they decided as long as we're going to get back to that root... Let's use a familiar detective format of the film noir. So that's why I would argue you could, I could see an argument to be made for this to be a reimagining, but then it also has to vary by its nature, be a reboot as well. So it could be both. So, I mean, it's kind of like when is a square, a rectangle, when's a rectangle, a square. Exactly. That's absolutely what I would, that's a, that is a perfect analogy. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. I love it. I think the major thing that we're going to run into 
and I think we both are, at least are in agreement with this. There's too much. There is. We are we are overly uh, we are overly saturated, and uh, I'm going to use the word you used again because it's the perfect descriptor. We're having re-up fatigue. Yeah, I think that's a great way. So to put much it. of it. And every time I hear about a new Disney movie that they're going to be doing, I'm like, Why? here we fu- here we fucking go again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. Even with sequels, and that's something I think we should discuss at another point. When is too many sequels a thing? I would say when you're on Saw 317, uh, it's time to it's time to stop fucking making Saw movies. So, so I think in the future we could, I mean, continue just basically continue the conversation, but switch the narrative to sequels. I think in the future we should try that. You know. Okay, so maybe something, maybe not for these three episodes we're going to be doing uh, yeah, for this our, month for, yeah. in the month of May, but uh, something later down the line where we revisit, you know, kind of adjacent to this topic, but. Specifically, looking at sequels, when is too when is a, when is sequels too many? Yeah, when is sequels too many? Because I mean, at the at this point, as as we both decided, too many of any of the remakes, reimaginings, reups, all of it. It's just too much. Well, I think we've solved world hunger, so that's <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at here. No, actually, um, yeah, you solve you didn't solve my thirst because now I need a diet coke. Well, we're going to get AJ a Diet Coke, but we want to pose the question to you. Remakes and reboots. Are we oversaturated? What would you like to see from the studios? Is there a way for us to send the message to the studios if you think we are oversaturated, as AJ and I have expressed? Is there a way to send the message that says, give us the original content that we crave? Give us new storylines, um, new characters, uh you know, enough with the reimagines, enough with the reboots, enough with the remakes. Uh, let's let's get those creative juices flowing again. Let's get some more uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, you know, yeah. shows uh, from. Yeah, I mean, just uh, th- that was an epic take on. So what are your thoughts on this? Uh, let us know what you think in the comments of our Instagram. Um, if you want prefer to send us an email, by all means, go ahead. Well, our music is created by Augusto Denise, logo by Arpon Design. Our mixing and editing is done by IPTT Studios. And we want to hear from you in your own slice of toast. Tell us about the films that you think we and others should see, actors to showcase, or topics to discuss. Uh, you can reach us on Instagram at IPTT underscore podcast, email us directly at IPTTpodcast at gmail.com, or interact with us directly through the Spotify app. And join us next week as we'll have a brand new topic. As all through the month of May, we're going to be discussing different things about film aspects that we find fascinating and interesting. And once we get out of May, we'll be right back to doing regular film episodes. Thanks for listening. Yeah.